The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Next week is Easter, uh, so come out for that. Invite people. You know, people need to hear about Jesus, right? And Easter is a time when a lot of people will go to church that wouldn't go otherwise. So if you have a friend, a family member, a neighbor, and there's just like you've got a relationship there, just say, hey, would you want to come to Easter with us? You don't even have to like go any farther than that. A lot of people would just love to go somewhere for Easter. They feel that pull. They check that off their box. I did my religious thing. But we don't care how they get here. Right, They can come for that, and they show up, and they're just like, whoa, okay, God's touching me. And all of a sudden, they give their life to the Lord, and like, I just went because, you know, it's Easter, and I thought it would be a fun thing, and it's kind of a traditional thing, but then God gets a hold of them. Okay, so if you know somebody that you would invite, just send out an invite and see what God would do. We're going to have uh, an egg war. Josh is going to run that. We've been doing that every year, uh, so that's a pretty fun activity. We'll have some Easter eggs out for the kids um, to do uh, a little hunt out there. And it'll just be a good time and just celebrate and talk about the gospel, talk about who God is, what he came for, and there's people that need to hear that. Still is the solution for the world's problems, and people are looking for a solution, so it's our opportunity to share it. So uh, let's bow our head and pray, we're going to jump into this word on the gospel of peace. It's our last piece of armor, it's the shoes, the sandals of the gospel of peace. And so we're going to talk about that. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to hear it, to understand it that you'd lead us into truth, and Lord, that you would show us how to apply it and how to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we've been doing this out of Ephesians, which is where it talks about the armor. So Ephesians 6, 14 to 15, I'll just read a section of it. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness arrayed, and with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And so to have your feet actually fitted with, have them equipped with this gospel of peace. And so you can see up on the screen there, these are actual Roman sandals. And on the one, you can see those little dots on the bottom of the shoe. Uh, those were actually cleats. So the Romans actually wore uh, these sandals that had cleats on the bottom. And the cleats served a couple purposes. One is that when someone would come to push you back, you know, a lot of people were fighting barefoot or just in like, you know, leather shoes and things like that. But when the enemy would come to push you back, if you had cleats on, any football players in here that ever played? Okay, you put somebody with cleats on versus somebody that doesn't have cleats on and you get out there and you're pushing and shoving and trying to, to win and get position, who's usually gonna get that position? That's the ones with the cleats. Why? Because they dig in. Okay, so the idea with the gospel is it's something that we set our feet into and we actually dig into it. We actually lock ourselves into it. It's not just something that we believe on the surface, but it's something that we get down in our heart and when things come and push against us or want to wrestle against us, or somebody wants to, to push against what God's doing in our life, right, that we dig in. You know, maybe you're going through recovery and you're trying to you know, move forward in God. You're, I, mean, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a new person. I'm moving ahead. And you got somebody that comes and oh, you're the same person. You're not going to change. You're never going to change. Well, that's somebody coming in this spiritual battle and they're pushing against the change that God's doing in you and they're trying to get you off of your footing. Okay, so you, mentally and emotionally, you can say, oh, yes, I am. I'm changing. I'm better. And what are you doing? You're, you're taking your own courage and your own faith, but to dig into the gospel 
and to put your feet in there and to take root is when that comes against you, you put your feet in and you don't claim your own strength, but you begin to claim the strength of the gospel. No, Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again. The Bible says that in him I'm a new creation, that he's made me new. I'm digging down into this, into the work that he did, that he's the one that's produced righteousness in my life. He's the one that's brought this change. He's the one that brought forgiveness. I'm born again through his work, not through my own work. And you're allowing yourself to dig in deeply into what God's done. And so that's where we want to take with the gospels to root ourselves down, get our footing firm. Because life gets slippery. Even when you're trying to do things well, it just gets slippery. You're going along and the rain comes, a storm comes, situations happen, somebody has a spill, you know, you spill a little anger out, you spill a little something out, and all of a sudden, oh man, it's slippery, I'm falling down, I feel like I'm, I'm not able to keep my, my balance, keep my stability. But when you root down in the gospel, it's not about yourself, it's about what God's doing in you and doing through you. And when things get, get messy, as life does sometimes, at least it's gotten messy for me, I've seen that, you guys all look like you don't have any messy life stuff, it's just all perfect and easy. It's amazing. It makes the church look good. But life can get messy. And when you do, you have to be able to have something that cleats you down and sticks you in and keeps you standing up and keeps you strong. Okay? And so we do that. We, we stick into the gospel. You know, if you've been through recovery, and I don't mean to stay on recovery, but this is kind of where I feel like the Lord's hitting me right now. So maybe there's some recovery people in here that needs to really think about this. You know, if you're in AA, you know, you're rooting down... And you're, you're locking in on your days of sobriety, right? I'm 30 days. I'm 60 days. That's where everything's built around. I got my chips. I've got this. I've got that. I've got my days. Well, what happens if you lose it? What happens if you got two years in and then one night you go out and you're like, oh, man, I don't know what happened, but I just lost my mind. Okay, now you've lost everything. It's all falling down. It's over. Okay, but if you were from the beginning, you were, you were rooted and you're standing firm and you were solid, not in your own works, in your own effort, but in the redemption of Christ, that he's the one that cleansed you, he's the one that gave you new life, he's the one that called you, and you're going out there doing your best and you make it two years and then that pushes against you and all of a sudden you have a fall, you haven't lost your identity, you just lost a night. Because you weren't rooted there, that wasn't your rock, that wasn't what you were standing on, you were standing on Christ, you might have fallen but you're still on the rock, right, you can still get up. You're still there. And so that's why we want to actually dig our feet down into something that's more solid than our own effort and our own self. And that's what it's talking about, these sandals. It also, you know, it's, it's helping move forward. But Romans 16, 9 through 20 says, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So be using our minds as part of our faith. But then check this out. It says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Okay, the other thing that these cleats do is they're actually weapons as well. I mean, you don't want to get stomped on by a barefoot, but you really don't want to get stomped on by cleats, especially metal ones, sharp ones, right? And so when you're in a battle, they can step on your toes. But the shoes that God equips us with are the gospel of peace. Okay, so how, if you're trying to win a battle, how does peace help you win and crush an enemy? Because this is saying on one hand that we are literally crushing Satan under our feet, but it's supposed to be a gospel of peace. That doesn't sound peaceful. If I was going down, you know, walking outside, I get out on the grass, and I, I get out there, and then Brandon comes running up, and he throws me down, and he jumps on me, he crushes me underneath his feet. I look up, like, what's going on? He's like, peace, brother. That doesn't feel like peace. Okay, it seems contradictory. Is it? 
It's not because what we're crushing under our feet is not people. What we're crushing under our feet is Satan. Okay, and that's always important to remember as believers. Okay, we're in a spiritual war against enemies of the spirit. Okay, so that person that you're mad at, that person that you're struggling with, that person that that has a different political view or a different uh, view in life on religion or that person that's rejected you, despised you, insulted you, you're not after them. Your battle is not with them. Your battle is with the devil. Your battle is with the demonic. Your Your battle is with spiritual forces trying to deceive and pull people into bitterness, anger, hatred, all these things. And so I can come in peace to the person, which is what Christ did. The angels announced his birth, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, men that were not good, sinners, wicked people, evil people. But he came to the men in peace because he came to bring reconciliation, to die for their sins, to show his love. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But there was a battle to be had. And we do have to choose which side of that battle that we want to be on. Do you want to be on the Lord's side or do you want to be on the devil's side? Because right now we have an opportunity to give our life to the Lord. We have an opportunity to identify ourselves with the right side, with God. But if we choose to identify against God, he'll continue to reach out to us with love and forgiveness and grace in this life. But the reality is that at some point this life ends and our opportunity to turn our life over to God ends. At which point then God's wrath, God's judgment isn't just against the devil. It isn't just poured out on Jesus at the cross, but it actually will come out and actually be on us. And so we want to turn our life to him now, and then we want to reach out to other people with the gospel of peace. Hey, we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. God loves you. God wants to bring peace to you. God wants to touch your life. God wants to help you. God wants to draw you in. And do it now. Do it now while you can, because there is a day of judgment. That's a real thing. That'll happen. And so we have an opportunity to come into peace with him and to walk with him. But this is the gospel of peace is that we're bringing people peace. We're not warring against them, but we're bringing them the fact that God loves them and wants to make them a part of his family. This next part is peace shalom. You can see on this slide, and this actually comes from a Jewish, if you, if you study some of the original Jewish language and some of the Jewish texts, this is one of the ways that they talked about peace and one of the stories that they use, it's not Bible, but it's one of the stories from the Jewish people that they would use to describe what peace was about and how, how it was invented. The word is shalom, which really means wholeness, completeness, and blessing. But this is how they described it. God created every blessing that could ever be imagined or would ever be created. They lay like a huge pile of treasure. And God needed a container, a bag, a box, or a jar with which to put them in. And he could find nothing, so God created shalom. So God made all of these good things, and he's like, I want a place to put this. That, the meaning of it is that that's what shalom is. It's all the goodness and the wholeness and the grace and the love and the kindness and the provision and the blessing of God. And what did he want to do with it? He wanted to bring it to us, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's God's plan and desire for your life, is peace. He wants wholeness. He wants completeness. He wants blessing. He wants mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, relational health, financial health. God wants to bring peace into your life. If you're struggling in your marriage, God wants to bring peace and wholeness. 
If you're struggling in your family between kids and parents and parents and kids, God wants to bring wholeness. If you're struggling in your mind and your biggest enemy is yourself every day, God wants to bring wholeness. He wants to bring blessing. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring peace for that war. If you're struggling with addiction, God wants to bring wholeness, not an emptiness that you constantly have to fill with some type of an addiction. He wants to bring wholeness and completeness to you. This is the gospel. The gospel is not simply that Jesus died for your sin and rose again so you can be forgiven. The gospel is that he died for your sin, that he rose again so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be made right with God, so that in your rightness with God, he could finally be free to do what he always wanted to do from the beginning, which is pour out all of his peace, all of his shalom, all of his blessing on your life. That's what he did it for. He didn't do it just to clean you up. He did it because he wanted to clean you up so that he could embrace you fully. And bring you into all that he has made you for. Well, he's got to clean you up. Maybe he's called you to, to minister to people, pray with people, work with kids. Well, he can't bring you in that way as a drunk. He can't bring you in that way addicted to pornography. He can't bring you in that way all messed up and say, okay, I'm going to put you in here over with the kids. Oh, you're still, you're still a drunk all the time? I'm going to have you go over here and, and, and be the youth pastor and work with the kids. But if he's called you to that and he wants to bring you to the wholeness of experience fulfillment and what he's called you to do, then part of the process is he's got to take care of your sin, cleanse your sin, get you ready. And then he says, okay, now you're ready. I've got something amazing that I want to put you into. Come check this out. And he's going to bring it. We've got people like that here. Where you came in two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, and it was just a wreck. Now you're leading people, praying for people, ministering to people. You're the one that they're calling at midnight instead of me. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And it's spreading around. Why? Because God wasn't just cleaning you up because he was mad at your sin. He was cleaning you up because he was madly in love with you and wanted to bring you into this relationship. And that's what we need people to experience. And so even when we talk to people that aren't following God, even when we talk to somebody that's a sinner, even when we talk to somebody that you know, has a hard heart towards God, the conversation is not, it's not a gospel of war. God's against you and what you believe. God is for you and what you believe is keeping you from him. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel to bring people into relationship with their heavenly father, the one that loves them and cares for them. That's what he's after. And so this is what we've been charged with. This is what we've been giving. This is what we're supposed to put our feet on. This is when we walk. If somebody goes and looks along and you see on the ground, you see tracks. I go, oh, that's a deer track. Oh, that's a bear track. Oh, that's a, if they look and they see a sign, they should be able to tell what walked there, right? So when somebody comes by and they see a track, if that track is judgment and anger and accusation, and they look at that, they shouldn't think, oh, it must have been a Christian walking through but if they look and they see a track and they go, wow, look at that. There's peace and love and reconciliation and forgiveness. And there's all these things. And they see that track. The first thought they should have is, oh, man, this must be one of God's kids. That's what that looks like. Let's go follow them down and see if we can catch one. Maybe they'll bless us. Maybe they'll invite us in. But that is what we should be leaving with our footprints as we walk with this gospel of peace that moves along. Romans 16, 19 to 20, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, justification, justification, you think of it this way, it means just as if I had never sinned, justified. 
just as if I'd never sinned. I'm completely clean. Completely clean, taken care of. It's just as if I'd never done that. That's how God sees you. You turn your life to Christ and you're cleansed, he sees you that way. He doesn't see you as somebody he fixed, somebody who's in the process of being fixed, somebody who's all scarred up and has problems and issues. He just sees you as somebody who never had the problem. Fully forgiven, fully brought back in, fully loved, fully cared for. Justification. The Bible says he actually throws our, our sin far away into as far as the east from the west, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He forgets about it. He remembers it no more. He actually is just looking at you and just seeing who you are now in Christ, and he's seeing who you are in the future as you grow. He's not constantly comparing it to what he thinks you did before. It's new. Everything's been made new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Everyone's new in Christ. It says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we come in and we have this place to stand in God's grace with these shoes on of the gospel of peace and reconciliation with God that this has been done because he's cleansed us as if we've never sinned or done his work, came through his effort, which means if you came today and you gave your life to the Lord today and we both walk out of this building, when God looks down, God sees you just as clean as he sees me. He doesn't see, well, there's a clean guy and he's kind of freshly clean, but that's not fully clean. He's got to dry first. And there's a pastor, that guy, man, he's been dried off, blown dry. He's looking, man, that's really clean. That's not how he's looking at it. Christ cleans one way, completely, fully. Every person is clean when you give your life to Christ, regardless of what you've done. One might have been an addict. One might have been an abuser. One might have been somebody with anger. Somebody might have been somebody with pride. Somebody might have been somebody with lust. Whatever it was, and then we got cleaned, and we all got cleaned the same. We're clean. It's magical. It's like I used to, we used to sell Amway a long time ago and sell different supplies and stuff. And one of the things that we sold was pre-wash. If you ever have a chance to buy Amway pre-wash, just buy it. I don't sell it anymore. My goodness. You can put anything on a shirt, anything on pants, anything on anything. And you spray that on there, throw it in the wash, it's coming out. It's coming right out. It doesn't matter if it was ketchup or mustard or barbecue sauce. It doesn't matter if it was Kool-Aid. It doesn't matter if it's anything. It's coming out. Well, that's Christ's blood for us. It doesn't matter what you did. The stain's not too set in. When it comes, it takes it out. It's over. It's gone. And you have to ask God to help you to receive that. You know, people talk about forgiving themselves. What's forgiving yourself? Well, first of all, it's the person that actually offended you is the one that needs to forgive you, right? Or that you offended. You offended Christ, he needs to forgive you. You offended your spouse, they need to forgive you. What we're really saying, what people are really saying when they say forgive myself, they're saying, I just really need to come to grips with and accept the fact that I've been forgiven. Like my bill's already paid and I just need to accept the fact that when I go through the register, I don't have to worry like I'm gonna get caught for sneaking out because it's already paid. I don't have to stress about it. It's really just coming to that place where we just say, okay, Lord, I receive it in faith what you did for me. I'm gonna take it. I'm taking your forgiveness. I'm taking the fact you paid my bill. I'll take it in. And that's the gospel of peace that we need to receive and then we take it to other people and help them to receive it. So how does, it, how does this actually work? I got a few people that I'm gonna have come up. Can I get that mic, Jenna? Uh, just to share, they can't sit out of the men's retreat. And just as God's been working in people's lives, um, they're just gonna come share uh, just some quick uh, just insights from their own life of how God's been working in their life right through the weekend or through you know, other times in their life to just really bring them to a place of saying, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling this draw to God and this closeness to God and this gospel of peace working in my life of how God's coming to me. So, uh, Brandon, you want to come up?
Brandon loves the spotlight. This guy, this guy's, this guy's an incredible rapper, by the way. He writes his own stuff and he does it, and he does it on video. He doesn't do it live in person, and so we had to make him at the open mic come up and do it. He's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. He come, he nailed it. He nailed it in person, man. He's right. Wrote a rap about breaking chains and how God breaks off chains, and it was beautiful. So if you get a chance to watch him, man, he'll be doing some other stuff. Go Send see you the it. link if you want it. Um, so real quick, I want to pray, God. Let me touch somebody in here today with this quick testimony. Um, I may not be able to spit off scripture like some, but I do know where you have worked in my life, and I have come out of a deep struggle. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, so let's start off. I mean, I was born here in Austin. I couldn't tell you where because I've moved around so much. I actually grew up in the DFW area. Um, I didn't have a bad childhood. Dad was never around. Mom did the best she could. Um, but I chose to be, I was that little skater kid with the long hair, the, the piercings, you know, all I wanted to do was skate and play video games. Um, didn't graduate high school because I just couldn't do it. I, I would slept through, I slept through every class. I just wanted to skate and play video games again. Um, fast forward, mom sent me to live with dad. He, he wanted to come into my life, finally around 12 years old. And I went up there to, to live with him, but he was never home. He's the general manager of some huge electric company up there. And uh, that's when I got into drinking and drugs, um, softer drugs at the time. Um, but it was every day, skating, drinking, drugs, video games, breaking into places, just doing dumb things. Um, it didn't stop from there. My mom, she picked me up from Minnesota, came back to Texas. I continued to want to drink and just do these things that my little mind wanted to do. Um, so one day... I went to Dallas to visit a friend, and when I called mom and said, hey, I'm ready to come home, she was like, no, you can't. Stay where you're at. So it was a, okay, let's figure out where I'm going to stay now. Birthday comes around, and I was looking to party, and I ended up getting ripped off on something, and my buddy was like, hey, I can get you something that's similar, lasts a lot longer, it's a lot cheaper. That was the first time I ever did methamphetamine. Um, from that... From that period on, I remember one time we were driving in this car, and a car pulls out, there's a motorcycle on my right, and there's traffic coming this way. The car coming towards us, and the car that was pulled out, she ended up stopping in my lane. Somehow, the car slid between the two cars, came out, and back on the same side. And of course, in my mind at the time, yeah, I did that. That was all me. Now looking back on it, there's no way I could have done that. Every time I try to slide my car around, I wreck it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so fast and forward again, I ended up a couple years ago, I got sober, moved to San Antonio, um, went to a rehab down there. Life was good. I was getting really close to God, met a girl, got a house, got the cars, had the job. I had everything that I could ever ask for. And on the night that I proposed to her, everything fell apart. We were drinking. Um, we were going, we were on our way to her sister's house to show her the ring and her sister was a dealer, so, I mean, in, in the moment, I should have thought about that. Bad idea. Go home. We'll show sister later. But we went over there, and on the way over there, she tells me, I'm going to use tonight, and there's nothing you can do about it. I didn't know what to do. I started freaking out. So I'm standing there. She goes, we go in the house. She goes off with her sister. I go in the, the garage with her boyfriend, and he's trying to get me to, to use. And I'm like, man, I know where this takes me. I've already been down this road. I don't want... No, 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 no. We're going back and forth for about an hour doing this. 
And when he finally decides to leave the room, I called him back. I said, hang on, let me get some. Um, went through a really dark, very dark six to eight months with the fiance at this point. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked at somebody in their eyes and known that they are not there, but their body is present. Um, very demonic. I don't even know how to describe it. It was, she looked at me and I froze. Fear struck my whole body and I didn't know what to do. Um, so time is going on. I moved out of the house. She stayed in the house. I moved back to my old apartment um, and I just slowly started to spiral deeper and deeper into the drug world. Um, friends would come over and they would see things in the house and they'd, are you okay, dude? And Yeah, I'm fine. I got this. Um, it got to a point where I was carrying a pistol on my hip at all times and a shotgun in my backpack um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was, uh, there was a point in time I remember sitting there watching my window just waiting. Somebody is about to sh start firing through that window because some, some other things that had happened, things that she accused me of that I'm like, where did that even come from? Um, got locked up sat there for about three months. I got really close to God at that point because before that I had been praying. I was like, man, I, I can't do this. I can't get out. When the cops put the, put the bracelets on, I felt so much peace. I was like, it's finally over. Let's go. Got into the Bible, came out, and started drinking again. Um, that got, I'm not going to say that got really bad, but I got fed up with it. Went to a friend's house, ended up fighting with a bunch of people, Got to my grandma's house because I didn't want I didn't know where else to go, and I grabbed her 22, her little I don't Smith and Wesson 22 little pistol. I went into Leander, did some other things, and I came home and I walked into the bathroom. As soon as I walked into the bathroom, I did like this and pulled the trigger, and nothing happened. So from that moment, I realized there's something I don't know. There's a purpose for me. There's something I've, I'm here to do. Um, I laid in bed for three days, and on the third day, I decided it's time to get up and do something about it. So I got up, moved out to Kingsland, went to a little, uh, little sober living out there, and then God was telling me that that's not the place for me, so I moved out to Austin, got in touch with AOA Boxing, and that's how I got introduced to the beat. Yeah. Here I am today. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray for Brandon. Everybody just stretch your hands out, you know, but the, you know, Brandon was living against God and living wild, doing his own thing, right? And how did God came, come to him? God came to him in peace. He offered him a way out, right? He offered him people to love him, support him, care for him, help him walk out of addiction, to build up his life. He didn't come with war to crush him, right? Now, the enemy in his life has been crushed underneath God's feet, underneath our feet, right? But... Brandon isn't crushed. Brandon is lifted, right? That's the gospel of peace, is to take and crush the sin and to crush the devil and to take the person and to build them up in the image of God, right? That's what we're preaching, teaching. That's what it's about. That's what we're supposed to equip ourselves with is a love for people and yet a vengeance against the sin that's trying to destroy them, All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Brandon, Lord. Thank you that he is uh, following you, God. Thank you that you've set him in family, Lord. People love him. Lord, you've given him purpose and a destiny and a call. God, thank you that the devil couldn't steal, kill, and destroy it. But, Lord, you came, Lord, and gave him abundant life. 
God, we thank you for that, Lord. I pray you'd bless him and continue him on this path of growth, Lord. We're thankful that we get to be a part of it and to watch what you At the very end of it, I wrote down a prayer. Um, Kyle kind of inspired this when he was talking about, you know, nobody comes with the Father except through Jesus. Um, so I just want to pray this real quick. Yeah. Jesus, can you make clear my hurdles that are keeping me from coming to our Father? Help me to see what's holding me back from the access to God's kingdom and the things that he has in store for me. Make it clear so that I may work, we may work on removing those things and get closer to God. Help me to step into my destiny and my identity that God has for me. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right. Uh, Justin, come on up here. Justin's going to come up here and share for a second what God's been doing in his life. And he does more than just work on cars, man. Not much more. He's got, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay. My name's Justin, and Andy asked me to come up here and just share about 60 seconds what happened at the retreat. So Andy has this question. He asks it all the time, and it always gets the thoughts going in my head. He says, anybody who hasn't accepted God into your heart or wants to accept God into your heart, raise your hand. And, he, and I, I sit there every time, and I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, I did it when I was a Jehovah's Witness, for those of you that I used to be. And I'm like, yeah, I did it. And then my grandma, my ever-so-loving grandmother, would nag me all the time about going to church and giving my life to Jesus and accepting him as my Savior. And one time she pulled out this little pamphlet, and it was so silly at the time, and it was so annoying. I just wanted it to stop, and I was like, yep, I give my life to Jesus. Oh, here, look, I'll sign my name, and please stop. So <laughs> Andy always asks that question and does these baptisms, and I never raise my hand because I did, kind of, give my life to Jesus and accepted God in my heart, but I was young, so... He asked it again at the retreat, and it got all, my, all these thoughts going again, and then I saw I didn't raise my hand. I was like, yep, I did it, sure. Then he asked it a different way. He said, if any of you have given your life to Jesus, but you didn't feel like it was wholehearted, or maybe you didn't have a full understanding yet, and I was like, oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, right? Like, okay, all right. So I raised my hand. A couple other people raised their hand, and I decided. I, I kind of like the way he did it because as he was saying that and I was raising my hand, I was going back and forth in my head again. And I was like, what am I doing? Just stop the back and forth. Let's just do it again right now. We're going to clear everything up. I was like, and instantly, all the thoughts stopped. It, it was just like, we're just going to do it again now. So what? We're going to do it again. I have clear thoughts. I'm an adult. I understand more what I'm doing. And this is kind of on my own terms. So I just felt it. I raised my hand. We prayed about it. And the way he did it was uh, I prayed first to accept God into my heart, which I did out loud and that he would do work in me so that I can change to be a better person for everyone around me and for my family. Then the other guys just prayed around and a blessing on my life. So 
pretty sneaky, but you got me. You got me. So that, that was the retreat for you. Amen, amen. So that, some guys you got to be more sneaky with. But that is, that is uh, stay here, so we're going to pray for you. Uh, that is the gospel peace. God just kept coming and saying, I want you. I want you. I want you. You know, first he used, you know, uh, your grandma, you know, some of you grandmas in here, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. Get them to sign the little track. Just do it. Just keep giving it to them. Eventually they'll do it. Uh, but he's kept coming. But even that, he didn't want you just to, like, make a legal commitment. He wanted a heart commitment because it's about relationship, right? God wants to know you. And so that's for each of us, right? And this comes along. This is what he did. And that's a gospel of wholeness, of peace, of blessing, of relationship, of, of fully bringing in. And so uh, let's just pray over Justin and just uh, believe that, you know, what he prayed this weekend, that God's going to bring that to fullness, right? It's just a beginning. But, Lord, we thank you for Justin. God, thank you that, um, Lord, you helped me figure out how to get sneakily get him in, catch this fish. Um, and we pray, Lord, that you will bless his heart and his mind and his spirit, God, to know you in deep ways, Lord, that now that he's made that commitment, for Lord, he's all in, Father. Lord, when we get all the way in the pool, we can finally really learn to swim because uh, we're not on the side. I pray, Lord, that you'll teach him, Lord, how to swim in your love. Lord, teach him how to swim in your grace, how to swim in his identity, Lord, of who you've made him to be. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. We got kids and kids' classes and stuff like that. But I do, and I want to make time for this. Uh, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, you've never given your life to Jesus, or you gave your life to Jesus and didn't know what you were doing, or is there some other sneaky... Look, if you have not committed your life to Christ, if you have not received what he's done in dying for your sins in taking your place so he can cleanse you and justify you and make you a part of his family and pour his love and his peace and his wholeness and his blessing on your life. If you're like, I haven't done that yet, okay, then I want you to, just you, close your eyes right now. Just you. And then raise your hand because you won't see anybody looking at you. (laughs) No, if you're here, it's not embarrassing. We're not gonna bow our heads and close our eyes. It's not embarrassing to see somebody come into the kingdom of God. It's not embarrassing to see them receive his love. So if you're here and you're like, I want to I wanna be receive what God's done for me, I just want you to raise your hand so we can see you and we can pray for you. Is there anybody here? Like, oh, I see one right there. I see two over there. Three. Okay. If you're close to them, please put hands on their shoulder. If you see somebody with their hand up, just put hands on their shoulder. Um, don't weird them out. Don't rub their shoulder down or start touching their ears. Look, just, just pray for them, okay? It's not a massage. Just pray for them. Jessica, Mel, calm down. All right, so if that's you, if you raise your hand, that's what I want you to do. I want you to pray in your own words. You just give your life to the Lord to say, hey, this is yours. And just tell them that you receive what Jesus did for you and dying for you. Just put your faith in him. The Bible says all those who call upon the Lord will be saved. All. I mean, all of us will be saved if we call upon the name of the Lord. And so just pray in your own words. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. Just receive what he did. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's why we feel depression. That's why we feel anxiety. That's why we feel all these different things is death. Relationships break down. Eventually, eternal death and separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life. When we come to Christ and we receive what he did for us, 
He gives us a new heart. The Bible says we're born again. The old is gone and the new's come. And you just become a child of God. It's that easy. God will teach you and show you and begin to you know, teach you how to be his child, but you are the second you pray. You don't have to grow into it. You just are. So, Father, we just lift up. If you're there by them, just begin to pray for them, uh, however God puts on your heart. But, Lord, we pray for these uh, people right now. We thank you, Lord, for bringing them into your family. Lord, we receive them. God, we receive them as brothers and sisters. Lord, not as stepmother, God. We pray that you would touch their life. Lord, any regrets they have, sins they have, Lord, things that have been done to them, things that have done to others, God, we pray that you'll wash it off, cleanse it off, make them new, Lord, restore them. Lord, completely, God, if they have forgiveness, Lord, that they need to give, Lord, I pray they would give it freely just as you're giving it to them right now. Lord, if they have regret, God, I pray that they would just let go. Lord, let your peace, let your wholeness, let your blessing, let your favor, Lord, flow into their life right now by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.